It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. And welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources. Do not adjust your dial. I am not Boyd Matheson. Boyd is taking uh, some much deserve some well-deserved and much-needed time off to rest and relax or, I don't know, mow his lawn, trim back his trees, rake some leaves. Probably early for raking leaves, but either way, we're going to wish Boyd well today and let him just uh, put his feet up, sip on some lemonade, and relax. I'm Marty Carpenter filling in today. Uh, if I sound a little bit familiar, it's because I was here, not here, but a little bit earlier on in the timetable, uh, Wednesday and uh, Thursday from the 9 to noon uh, segment of the uh, programming day. And uh, it's a pleasure just to have another opportunity to sit in uh, for a KSL radio host and, in this case, uh, hang out with you guys on Inside Sources. I uh, appreciate the time we'll be able to spend together. I think it's fair that if you're going to sit and listen to someone for a couple of hours that uh, you get at least a little bit of a rundown uh, of their background. So uh, for my part, I have been the uh, spokesman for the Salt Lake Chamber of Commerce for a number of years before I joined uh, forces in the uh, Herbert administration. Uh, held a senior position on Governor Herbert's 2010 campaign, ran it, uh, or I guess, I'm sorry, 2012 campaign, ran it in 2016, and then had a senior position on another campaign in 2020. In the meantime there, I was Governor Herbert's communication director, spokesman, and uh, one of his senior advisors for a while. So we'll look at all things mostly from the perspective of uh, what's the political landscape and, in particular, how does communication play into that? Uh, it's where my brain starts on a lot of these things and a lot of the big stories, and I think that's actually a really nice setup for some of the stuff that's going on in our world today. So let's jump into our uh, first story of the day. I want to talk about something that happened on Friday, and that is uh, President Biden, as you definitely have heard by now, made a pretty big announcement on Friday uh, that uh, vaccines were going to be mandatory for uh, all federal workers and uh, no longer going to have the test uh, option. They're going to have to be vaccinated and that uh, private businesses, and this is probably the most controversial part, uh, private businesses with more than 100 employees would be required uh, to have all their employees vaccinated. All right, let's get the first word on this with the president. Let's give him the first opportunity to, to lay out uh, his position on this. So I want to just uh, play President Biden's announcement uh, of uh, his new policy. I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. All right. So that's the announcement particular to the private business side. And as you can imagine, I raised some eyebrows because it's 2021 and everything anyone in the political world does raises eyebrows. And this one in particular, though, I don't mean to downplay it there. Uh, it raises eyebrows because anything anybody says is going to you know, cause some kind of trouble. But 
in this case in particular, mandating that the the private businesses then mandate vaccines, whereas before private businesses have always been able to require that of their workers and make that decision for themselves. And that is still the case for businesses with 99 employees or fewer. Uh, but to make that to make that the stated policy uh, and, and essentially to say we're not coming with a carrot, we're coming with a stick of some kind, though I think that stick is somewhat to be determined. And having talked with a number of business leaders uh, about this already, they're not really sure what the stick is either. Um, and, and I think that does play into this a, a little bit, and I want to get to that here in just a minute. But as you can imagine, the president makes this announcement. Uh, they do so on a Friday, uh, which, by the way, I find interesting because uh, usually you announce things on Friday. Traditionally in the media or in the political world, you would uh, sort of dump all of your bad news on the media on Friday because traditionally nobody would read Saturday morning's newspaper. Um, I think that's changed a lot, and I'll probably get into that a little bit later in the show. But, uh, you know, they make this announcement. Everyone kind of gets to simmer on it for the weekend, and the Sunday shows get to do what they do. Uh, and then we get to Monday, and all of a sudden we've got sort of our first wave of actual um, pushback. And, and I think it's still probably in the huffing and puffing category, but still uh, some pushback. Uh, Representative Thomas Massey is a Republican from Kentucky, House member. Uh, argues that the uh, mandate will disproportionately affect women. Uh, he gave some pushback today in a House Judiciary Committee meeting of all places as Republican lawmakers voiced support for an amendment in the budget rec reconciliation process that would uh, defund the vaccine mandate, even though the vaccine mandate is not written. So let's take a listen to uh, Representative uh, Congressman Massey from Kentucky. This mandate will hurt our economy and it will hurt individuals. We've already seen one hospital in New York who's announced that they will quit delivering babies because they're having a staff shortage because nurses are leaving. I have constituents who have contacted me. These are women of childbearing age who have decided not to take the vaccine. Now, this is not particular to my district. Across the United States, demographically, uh, women who are carrying a child have decided more so than the rest of the population, not to take the vaccine. And there are many of them who will leave their positions and we will have a shortage because of this, as we are already seeing. So interesting that he brings up the point about the, the nurse shortage, uh, the staffing shortage, and, and how that plays into uh, a lot of workers sort of walking off the job. That is one issue here that even in Utah we have been told that one of the reasons that there is a push from state leaders on this is because we have a shortage of healthcare workers. Um, it's not even necessarily, I think it is, but it's not to the same extent, the shortage of beds necessarily, but the staff members who are needed to take care of COVID patients. Um, there's sort of some interesting circular logic to that, that we shouldn't mandate and have more people get the vaccine, which, you know, would theoretically at least reduce the number of people heading to the hospital. Whereas on the other side of that, you're saying, uh, but you're going to have nurses leaving. So this really is one of those situations where there's probably not really a, a silver bullet. There's not a right answer to a lot of this, but you can see that as you get past that initial point of the announcement from the president, that there are a lot of details that need to be worked out. And uh, doing this with precision is probably a better way to go than doing it with a meat cleaver. Um, I want to do one more uh, soundbite from uh, Congressman Massey as well. Uh, he calls the mandate illegal 
and unscientific and points out another uh, what he would consider a practical problem with it. It's also unscientific. Now, we don't have the wording of his mandate yet, but nowhere in his speech did he mention natural immunity acquired from a prior infection. And we're also finding that the vaccine is wearing off. They found that in Israel and they're beginning to suggest boosters here. We don't have the text of his mandate yet, but presumably he'll have to change his mandate as soon as he issues his mandate if it doesn't also have the unproven need for the booster shot in it as well. So this is really complex. And if I had to look at it from a 30,000 foot level and say what's going on here, and let's assume some altruism on everybody's part that their motives are what they say their motives are. Um, When the president comes out and makes an announcement like this, I don't think there's any realistic expectation that we're suddenly going to get to, you know, 90%, 100% vaccination rates. But I do sense that uh, from one position, there is a uh, there is a calculation saying if we mandate this, there will be some businesses that just say, thank goodness we have a little political cover to require this of our workers. And uh, if it moves the needle in a significant way uh, where you get more people who are vaccinated, if it pushes more people to be vaccinated, that the administration probably considers that a win. There are any number of other reasons why they're up to this as well. Um, don't miss the fact that we're coming off a couple of bad weeks of Afghanistan related headlines for the administration. And in this case, they have been able to shift the focus away from Afghanistan and right back onto COVID-19. And they did it in a way where they win some points with their base of supporters, um, anger their opponents. And if in all of that, they can also move the needle a little bit more toward a higher vaccination rate. My guess is that the administration would consider that, a victory overall, that that is a win for them. Um, And in all of this, I think that the really unfortunate part is what it does is it further entrenches people. You know, it takes people who um, were hesitant to get the shot to go get a vaccine before, um, even if there's not really a good reason. If they're just on sort of the I'm politically mad and this is the reason I don't want to go do this, uh, that it keeps them from really even considering it. We're not building bridges. We're building a bigger gap in between those two groups. And that I think is the most unfortunate part of the whole thing. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to shift shift our angle a little bit on this, not the topic overall, because we're still going to talk about vaccines. The FDA has experts who are speaking out in opposition to booster shots for all. All is an interesting word, but we're going to talk more about booster shots and what's behind those when we come back. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. 